Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. Live from Trackside, this is IMSA Radio. Back in 1958 when the first professional road race was held here at Lion Rock Park, pole position was set by a 3.9x works Aston Martin at a lap time of 1 minute 5.21 seconds. So for a second quicker than the rest of the field. Things have changed since those heady days of 1958. One thing that hasn't is the character and the challenge that the one and a half miles of Lime Rock Park, Connecticut poses to the drivers of any series that come and race here. Stand by for live coverage of the Tudor United Sports Car Championship. It's free practice number one next, live here on IMSA Radio. The Tudor United Sports Car Championship on IMSA Radio. Hello everybody, I'm John Hindorf. Welcome along to Lime Rock Park, Connecticut and to our exclusively live coverage of the Tudor United Sports Car Championship for the Northeast Grand Prix this weekend here at Lime Rock Park. Fantastic, already uh, looking brilliant in what was bright sunshine. We've got a few little wispy cotton wool clouds just taking the worst out of the sun at the moment but still a very lovely day to go motor racing we joined in a moment by jeremy shaw and by greg kramer greg uh, doing this shift for us down in the continental tire sports car uh, pit lane or continental tire uh, pit lane reporting role should i say um, we've got the prototype challenge cars and the gtd cars this weekend let's see if we can check in with uh, greg right now down there uh, on pit lane a good morning to you greg good morning john good morning everybody yeah nice to be down amongst it here after uh, uh, a what promises to be a great session coming out here and i think in particular for one guy uh, especially coming off of a long overdue first win of the season for starters up at canadian tire motorsport park and john bennett obviously though you're not living in this area anymore this truly is home i mean i think you went to uc didn't you and and, and graduated from a local high school yeah, so it, it is great to come back. I, I've spent entirely too much time here looking uh, from the outside in at uh, racing here at Lime Rock. Um, I went to high school in Newtown, uh, graduated in 1983, so uh, it's been some time ago. And then, uh, as you mentioned, I went to school at UConn, and that's where I got my mechanical engineering degree. But it's wonderful to be back. Um, you know, I, I do finally remember those days when, you know, the very, the very first Lola prototypes were, were here at the IMSA, IMSA series with, uh, I'm probably dating myself, but, you know, Brian Redman and John Paul Jr. driving, uh, driving the cars and really enjoy coming back here. And then, you know, the unique experience this weekend to be driving, you know, in the top class of our, uh, of our show. So, yeah, be careful what you wish for. 
Absolutely. It sounds like we're just about to go to green. So, John, obviously, Colin's going out first of all in the car. But I do want to I just talk about you guys, even though you haven't had the type of season you've had in the past in terms of what the first half thus far, you've been able to stay right there in the points after the big win finally up in Canada. You do come in here as the points leader and some momentum on your side. And Colin was telling me one of the things is that you have really upped your game as well, being more aggressive, attacking a bit more in the stints. That showed in Canada. It was a brilliant opening stint that Colin was able to deliver on in the end. Well, you know, we haven't we haven't had a terrible season. I, I guess there's a lot to be said. If if you didn't win, then you're not uh, not thought about. But well, for you guys, yeah. I mean, we've we've had um, you know uh, you know three three second place finishes and um, anyway, you know, strong. Um, showings but it's not very exciting unless you're winning and of course Colin and I are, are definitely um, looking forward to doing more of that you know towards the end of the season but it was nice to get our first win at Mossport and and um, yeah, I just I think it's uh, you know racing comes with uh, a lot of unknowns and and uh, we have a process and we just we just follow it and and uh, you're right Colin and I uh, we, you know went behind the woodshed a couple of weeks ago and talked about you know what we could do better as a, as a duo to 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 start back winning and on a regular basis. To be honest, you know the the competition in LMBC is getting stronger and stronger every season. And and Colin and I had a good you know formula where I would run a fairly conservative opening stint and keep Colin in in view of of, uh, of the leaders, and then and then let Colin finish it off. And you know. What we talked about is maybe maybe sharing some of that risk and, and doing a little bit stronger opening stint, uh, so Colin's um, you know effort uh, can be human sized. So uh, so yeah, it seems to be working, and and uh, and I'm enjoying it more. Uh, you know, being a little bit more racy. So um, we'll see we'll see how it goes. I mean, it's it's risk reward, and and uh, we're going to try something a little new. Well, it certainly paid off in Canada. And, John, this is a team that's had a lot of success at this track back in the American Le Mans Series days. And he made a good point, didn't he? This class going for overall victory here. And for John Bennett here at home, that's pretty special if they could pull that off. The day in the sun. Thank you, Greg. Uh, Continental Type Let me pull that from Greg Kramer. The day in the sun for the prototype challenge cars. And I am I'm not wishing my life away. Jeremy Shaw has joined me in the booth. Not wishing my life away, but I really want to see who qualifies each of these cars. Because there is, having a wander around this morning talking to one or two people, there is a little, and um, by the way, we're using the chicane uh, in this session, which we uh, weren't for the Continental Tyres cars. They were going all the way around the outside and up the old uphill in the, uh, the sweeping right-hander. The, there is a train of thought, Jeremy, that says, depending on what everybody else does, of course, and that's the issue, you have to start, of course, with the driver who qualifies. If you put your pro driver in and he can drive away from the field and maybe put a lap, maybe two laps on the field, that gives you a lot more options in terms of your pit stop strategy come the race tomorrow, Saturday, than if everybody just does the same thing that we normally see and see the non-pro get in at the start. It's a big risk, but it could be a very big reward as well. Yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah, you know, strategy. Just, there's so much strategy certainly to be played out in all of the races. But you're right, particularly here at Lime Rock, it always comes down to making the, the right call. And sometimes it's luck, sometimes it's judgment. Uh, but you're right, it's going to be certainly going to be a judgment call as to whether which of the two drivers 
uh, it does qualify the car. The, I think you know, one thing that's a little bit different, certainly from when the American Le Mans Series race used to race here, is that uh, generally they had all four classes together. Here it's just the two classes this weekend with PC and GTD. And I love that idea. I think it's great. I think it's going to be uh, make for a much better race overall. I mean, we always had good races here, but uh, I think the uh, propensity for accidents is certainly going to be lesser than it was in the past. And, uh, and therefore, it, it, it's perhaps going to be not quite so easy to make a lap on, on everybody else than it was in, in, under the old uh, regime when you have all four classes at once. And hopefully some nice long green flag oh, running. That's it. Because when that has happened, uh, in all of the races that we've had, uh, and I think particularly uh, uh, even at, at Long Beach, when we've had green flag running, we've had great racing. And, and, and virtually all of our races this year have been touch wood have been uh, relatively yellow free haven't yeah. they so uh, yeah and we you know i mean all of our races this year i think without i can't i think yeah definitely without exception they've all been tremendous and i see no reason why this shouldn't be the same and and i love the fact that the uh, pc cars are going to have a bit of glory here to run for the overall win um yeah it's going to be fun the time's coming in already, around about the 50-50 second mark. Tom Kimber-Smith uh, in the uh, the 52 from uh, Renga van der Zander and Connor Daly, 52-8 and 38. The three cars all in the 50 seconds and then a couple of seconds back. Uh, qualifying, expect to see 47s, 48s, I'm told by the guys in the pit lane, depending on the, just how well the track rubbers in. Let's uh, get back down to Greg, our Continental Tire pit lane reporter. Well, thank you very much. In the background, you hear some of the air guns going off. That is the 48 Paul Miller Racing Audi that has just come in. Christopher Haase getting some fresh tires put on the car, which means I have an opportunity to chat with Dian von Molken. From point leaders to point leaders, just talked to John Bennett, leading in the points in PC. You guys really right next door here in the pit lane, leading in the points coming into this round of the championship in the GT Daytona category. Uh, first of all, congratulations on that. Obviously, a very consistent you know, point-scoring season. It's paid off, hasn't it? Yeah, thank you. It's a big testament to the team and the mindset that really from management all the way down that we have, and that's just consistently working with the program within ourselves, focusing ourselves in whatever our package we have that weekend, maximizing that. Uh, so far, we've done a good job of it. We're only halfway through the season, so we got to make sure not only do we keep doing that, but we got to keep improving race by race to stay in front of the competition that's really strong here at the GT Daytona class. Obviously, this is the debut for the Tudor Series here at this track. It didn't run here last year. Pretty new as well for the GT Daytona category of car, specifically your Audi. How do you feel that's going to fare around here? Yeah, you know, I think, honestly, our Audi's a car that's really strong everywhere. Um, our engineers have done a really nice job at making it a consistent, comfortable, but also a package that we have confidence in that's really important, especially around a track like this where, you know, the first half of the track, you really want some front down force on the car to get the front end working. But through the second part of the track, really west bend and down the hill, you really want some nice rear down force to make the car planted. Uh, so I think we've got a consistent car and a car that we have confidence in. Uh, we had Audi's first ever podium here in 2012. So hopefully we can, you know, focus on our program and get back up there. Well, obviously you mentioned that success a, a couple of years ago, and you would think this is a track with the aero package on this car. You do tend to live in it here a little bit, and uh, not too bad on the brakes for you here, although you're not in the brakes that much, are you? Yeah, you know, into turn one, it's a pretty good braking zone here. But outside of that, also up into the chicane. Uh, but it's definitely light braking around here. It's not really any threshold braking. Um, but... It'll be interesting. I haven't driven here with a little bit more downforce. We don't have much on the GT Daytona cars, but it's more than I've driven here in a long time. So hopefully we'll be able to maximize that and see what happens. 
Absolutely. Well, it's been a great uh, first half of the season. Keep that alive. Again, Paul Miller Racing, the number 48 uh, machine, doing a superb job this season. It'll be fun to see how they fare here this weekend. And suffice to say, Jeremy, that the competition, despite the fact we've only, only got 17 uh, entries in these two classes, will be stiff in both of the Prototype Challenge and the GTD categories. Uh, we've got a new car to talk about, of course, in uh, GTD. Another Audi R8 has come to play. Yeah, Compass 360 uh, Racing is stepping up uh, with the, the Audi, with uh, Pierre Kalanubing and the veteran Ray Mason driving that car. Their first uh, attempt at this level. Pierre Kalanubing, massive amount of experience in all sorts of different cars. Uh, I, I remember he was a Honda guy, mainly. He did a lot of Honda front-wheel drive stuff, Yeah, he did a lot of front-wheel drive stuff, certainly, yeah. And, uh, you know, and, uh, and then recently he's been driving Subaru, for Compass 360 with Ray Mason in the Continental Task Force Car Challenge. Not doing a, a full campaign with that car this year. So yeah, I haven't had a chance to talk to them yet, but it's going to be interesting to, 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 to see that. And certainly great to see uh, another team coming into this championship. And again, using the ladder that uh, IMSA has at its disposal. Exactly. Stepping up from the Continental Task Force Car Challenge into the United Sports Car Challenge. That's, that's what it's all about. It, it, it helps everybody make that progression. And they've got uh, S3s in... Uh, that championship they're building and developing the Audi S3s uh, into that one the Audi obviously it's a, an ex uh, Alex Job racing uh, car I so, uh, excuse me it's an ex Lizards car would that make sense probably yes it's an ex Lizards car uh, that they have got uh, out on the far side of the circuit at the moment the uh, number 76 car in sixth position and indeed one of the team who have been running it has come across to help them make the uh, to make the transition into the GTD category it's very interesting to see people using that ladder system not just for drivers but as Jeremy says for teams as well let's uh, head back down to Greg Kramer in the pit lane well your timing is perfect I just completed my walk and I'm going to come bother Ray Mason who's of course one of the pilots of this debut effort here in the GT Daytona category for uh, Compass 360, Ray. First of all, welcome. Uh, I know you've been looking to get into this category for a while, and uh, you got an opportunity now to really get out on track and see how things are going. You've obviously done some testing and, and development on the car. How are things going? Well, it's a, it's a heck of a car. It's a real race car uh, as opposed to a converted street car. And uh, I'm going to take a one little baby step at a time, work our way up to speed. Pierre's doing the same thing, and we're going to keep her on the blacktop. Absolutely, uh, it's a bit different from something that uh, you know that you've driven obviously in the past. But you've got a lot of experience in this type of racing. Uh, Jeremy was just talking about your Continental Tire experience with the multi-class racing and the like. So that's not all that foreign for you. It's just this new piece. That's exactly right. So we're not a bit worried because there's a bunch of pro drivers out here. Not worried about them. They may be a little worried about me, but I'll be a good boy. And uh, we're going to take it slowly, as I said, and I think we'll be just fine come uh, race day. Well, we're looking forward to seeing how the progress unfolds, and obviously it is also a sharp-looking machine. It's eye-catching, so a lot of eyes are going to be in you guys. Have a good one. Thank you very much. Yeah, that's our arrow. Uh, our arrow. We thought paint job. It's urethane paint, and... Uh, Jim McGuire, who's behind that company, is here today racing in the S3 class or in the SD class. Talking about it, it's a great product, fantastic product. Well, it's great to have you on board. And guys, of course, uh, also, as always with Compass 360, the Children's Tumor Foundation, well represented. And I understand they're going to have a throng of young guests here this weekend. So always representing very well for Tudor and IMSA. That car sitting uh, at the moment in eighth position in class. We've had 16 
of the 17 cars that we're expecting to see out. Colin Brown uh, behind the wheel of the Court Autosport prototype challenge car that leads the way. He's just gone out. 49-1, that car's best. That's not Colin's time, though. That was John's time. Connor Daly in the 38 car in second position with a 49-6. He's just done that time. And Bruno Junquera in the 11 in third with a 49-8. Uh, Bruno did do that time last time around. Uh, he was on a 50.0, so all very tight at the top end of the field. And adding to that, by the way, Tom Gibbs-Smith, who is in fourth position on a 49.8. So top four, separated by seven tenths, but all underneath the 52nd mark, 55.0 second mark. And this is a really important weekend, Jeremy, for all of these guys, because they get to race the... Uh, they get to race in a different environment from what they're used to, just the two cl classes, and really important for the PC cars because they are, they are the head of the field, and you know they, yeah. they are good at getting, as I said in the introduction, they're going to get their day in the sun. Yeah, I think it's great, and you know, uh, you know from John Bennett, so he's been brought up locally here, and he's got an opportunity to come here this weekend and, and put the car on a pole at a track, you know, just a few miles from where he was brought up and went to school. So uh, it, it's really cool. I think it's great. I mean, they're super cars, these PC cars. Uh, it's the, uh, the secondary prototype championship normally in the Tudor United Sports Car Championship. But these cars, you know, owe their roots to the old P1 days, you know, back uh, a dozen, 10, 12 years ago. So they're proper chassis, proper proper sports racing cars and uh, you know in my opinion completely legitimate to be the the headliners here at Lime Rock Park go all the way back to the courage yes. uh, dears yeah. so this has been a very good investment uh, <laughs> when Orica came into possession of the IP intellectual pro uh, property of these cars and turned it into a then P1 car as it was and its lifespan extended through Formula Le Mans and Prototype Challenge in a proposal to extend it even further and keep these cars in the series, which, as you might imagine, has been well received by the guys who've already got them. <laughs> and we wait to see what the next generation of second level of prototypes will be in a couple of years that are going to see some big changes for the Cheerio United Sports Car Championship in the pit. Spill. Slightly right. It started to correct itself at the end. So, um, just uh, having a little bit of uh, team radio there. Bill Swedler in the pit lane with the 63 Ferrari. Let's uh, head back down to the pits. Greg is our continental tire pit lane reporter for this session. Thanks very much, John. I'm in the uh, Turner Motorsport pit. First one to chat with Will Turner, obviously. Will, this is a track that's near and dear to you guys, obviously. Tremendous amounts of success here over the years, always in the BMWs. And uh, this weekend, along with Michael, you've got Dane Cameron, who, of course, helped you to a championship last year uh, in this, in this uh, category. Uh, so a uh, pretty special weekend for you. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, we consider this our home track, as you know. It's, uh, it's not really close to home because it's three hours away. I wish, uh, I wish there was an easier way to get here, a faster way to get here in three hours. But we have a lot of fans that come here and support the blue and yellow Turner Motorsport cars. And we've won here a lot, and we've had a lot of fun here. But this is one of those tracks that uh, you, you, know, you can't count any chickens. Like, anything can happen here, and, and uh, it's, uh, it's going to be a great race to watch. Um, happy to have Dane back in the car. 
um, kind of missed him a little bit this year, and uh, he's been doing great things in uh, in the DP world. But uh, having a weekend off from that and coming here to help us out, we were hoping for some good things. And I know Michael's excited to have Dane in the car. Um, and, you know, Marcus is probably having fun over there at Spa because uh, I think the BMWs have been doing pretty well. Well, speaking of the BMWs doing pretty well, you would think that this is a track that's pretty well suited to this, uh, this Z4. Yeah, you know, on paper, we should uh, we should do well here. Um, our car likes the corners, likes the twisties. But we've thought that before at some other tracks, and some other cars have come out to surprise us. And right now, the Porsche is looking good, and the Viper is looking good. And, you know, it's uh, I think it could be anybody's game here. Um, traffic, I don't know if it's going to be a problem because there isn't a big car count. But strategy certainly will be interesting. There's a couple of teams that can play a little different strategy because of their driver talents. Um, but uh, I guess we'll see. It looks like it's going to be sunny and, uh, and a lot of people here, so we'll do our best. As you always do. Thanks very much. I'm going to turn here and play a little bit of argy-bargy on uh, Fox's Calvin Fish here and get an elbow in his way, get in and talk to Michael Marsal, who's glued to the monitors right now watching as Dane is out on the track. Uh, obviously an opportunity, anything you can do here to maximize education and, and watching, Michael. But real quickly, you, you got to be looking forward to this one. I, I would think this is a car, as I was just talking with Will, that'll go well here. you got Dane as, as a teammate. Uh, good stuff on the, uh, on the rise, maybe. Yeah, really, really looking forward to the race. Uh, just like Will, this is my home track. I grew up an hour away from here, so I probably have more laps around here than most of the guys out there today. Uh, of course, Turner Motorsports, IHG Rewards Club, Z4 is going to be lightning fast around here. I mean, it's just the perfect track for, for the platform. And uh, having Dane Cameron uh, in a cameo <laughs> appearance here at uh, Lime Rock, just, uh, it's the perfect formula. So really looking forward to, uh, to the race weekend. Obviously, it's a quick one, but uh, we're looking forward to tomorrow. Absolutely, and uh, with their decision to stretch it out to the full two-hour, 40-minute race, obviously gets you guys back in a more you know familiar strategy window and the like, but things happen so quick on this track. One hiccup, you can drop a lap or two in a heartbeat here, can't you? Yeah, I think, I mean, the, the key here is to stay on the pace, and, and obviously more more so than any other track that we go to, qualifying is just important as, as, as all get out. It's a really, really hard track to pass on, and uh, I think the position, you know, especially in the, 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 the initial phase of the race, the, the position that you start in is, uh, is likely the one that you're going to come into the first pitch on. Uh, so you really want to make sure you're at the front of the pack. Thanks very much, Michael. Good luck this weekend. And he brings up a good point, too, guys. Not only the importance of qualifying, but that happens today. They have this one more session, and then their other qualifying. It's compressed, and it's important. It's, it, it is really roll out the truck, roll out of the truck, and be fast. Uh, there's no time for scratching your armpits and having a cup of tea around the uh, the table there you've really got to come out and come out punching haven't you yeah that, that's true john but uh, you know, they've got an hour and a half this morning and uh, as we heard uh, several drivers saying you can get a lot of laps in around this place because it's you know sort of 50 uh, around about a 50 second lap for the pc cars and 54 or so for the gtd cars so you can get a lot of laps in you you could, you could get 60 or 70 laps here even allowing time for a couple of you know driver changes and, and various changes to the car so you can learn a lot in that space of time plus with the fact we haven't got 118 cars on the racetrack <laughs> you've got uh, you know, much better opportunity to get several clear laps in there and that's that's what's uh, often missing for these contenders so i think you know they've got a luxury here they've got an hour and half this morning another hour leading into the qualifying session as well so and that's directly yeah, that's before qualifying it so is directly before so they get the opportunity yeah. to, to fine-tune the cars 
the difficulty there is don't don't throw it off. Don't throw it off. But and of course the other benefit of that is that's the time of day we're going to be running for the race Correct. as well. So you know that the, the uh, ambient conditions are going to be very similar to what we should be uh, what should be set for tomorrow. Uh, what can we have at senior? And I wonder if we can task Greg to pop into their pits. Is the 007 Aston Martin, uh, which I don't see on my timing screen at the moment. 44, 33, 97, 22, 48, 73, oh, yes. 23, 76, and 63 are the GTD cars. So yeah, with 58 cars not, not here either, is it? The Wright Motorsports Porsche, right. which is on the entry list, right. but with the TBA drivers. We haven't seen that car out either. Right, okay. Um, I, I, I may have dreamt it, but I did think I'd seen their hauler somewhere, uh, either waiting to come in or coming in. Uh, if I'm wrong, oh no, that is 007, it's right behind us. So they are here, so the 007 is right behind us in the paddock, in the beautifully paved A paddock, now beautifully paved B paddock here as well. Greg? Yep, quick update for you. I uh, just checked in with the team, gearbox issue. The pit box was set up, they were intending to be out, have a gearbox issue. Uh, they're hoping to get it fixed and be able to get out this session yet, but not at the moment. Thanks, Greg. Continental Type Pillar Report bringing you right up to date here on IMSA Radio Live from Lime Rock Park across the Radio Show Limited network on IMSA.com and RadioLamont.com uh, for this part of our live sports car weekend. It's another super sports car weekend with Continental Tires and Tudor, uh, as well as in Europe, the Spa 24 hours, of course. Uh, you won't have to miss anything. We're going to go all the way through here on IMSA Radio. And for those of you on Saturday who want to maybe listen to the start or some of the other racing and when we're finished we'll allow you to go once we're done but not before uh, back down to greg yeah i just wanted to check in right next door to the s martin team is the uh, rsr racing team and of course that means paul genlozzi sitting on the wall and paul there was a press release that came out where you were talking about what you thought about this category about prototype challenge in general what you thought uh, was still possible for the of the championship and then you add this weekend where you're racing for the overall win it's a real showcase for this category well the thing about lime rock is that some of the most knowledgeable road racing fans anywhere in the country are here every year i've been coming here since 1981 and these people know their they know their race cars they know what's good racing and the fun thing about having the gtdpc mix this weekend is They'll get to see a lot of that. They'll get to see great guys, Colin Braun and, and, and Tom Kimber Smith, Connor Daly, and, and all of them know Bruno Junquera and Chris Cummings. So this is our chance to show everybody what we can do uh, left on our own without a shadow or an umbrella, and I'm sure we'll do that. Well, you've really embraced this uh, this category, and that was one of the reasons you know, that you were talking about was the level of driver talent in this. And people tend to forget. Sometimes they look at this and go, oh, it's, it's a spec class. Maybe, but it is an immensely high-performance spec class, and it extracts everything out of these drivers. They don't have driver aids. I mean, this is a place where when you get it done, you get it done. Well, to run 49-1 at Lime Rock through the chicane, <laughs> you've you got to be excuse my term pretty damn fast so these are real race cars with 550 horsepower no traction control when it you talk about being a spec class but it's got great olin shocks and and it's got a extract transmission the engine is spec but the creativity of the team's engineers really is pretty unrestricted 
Um, so what you decide to do for setup or arrow um, is all up to you. And, and, and I think these are real race teams that run a business of coming here without subsidy from anybody and putting together a great race car on, the, on a track that has so much history. And oftentimes we see these races within the four categories this is the show. I mean, this can be absolutely spectacular racing. A little bit of a stumble for some of the teams. Obviously, rare to have that number of mechanical issues up in Canada. But this is a class that just generally clocks off some amazing racing. Well, the, these cars, although very, very reliable, are hybrid cars. You know, this car was originally a P1 car. So it's not really a dumbed-down kind of prototype. It's a pretty badass car. And a track like this, where you have a 49-second lap, is going to put a great emphasis on the driver. And we're going to see, you know, we, we talk about gentlemen drivers. And we got four or five really good guys here who can put in laps very close to the pros. So I'm hoping we're going to see a great showcase for the PC class and the GTT class. And in the end, the fans go home saying, we saw a great race. And this track tends to promote that. But you mentioned the, the business aspect of it. Looking ahead now, in 2017, the new prototype rules coming in, it looks like time essentially may have been called on the prototype challenge class at that time. What are you looking at for the future? I mean, next year, and then what? Well, we, we don't know yet. The, the good thing is the series is listening to the team owners, and they, they value the things we have to say and the, the business model that we put together. So I, I think we've broken new ground um, in communication, and... and we trust that that communication will result in a good product in in 16 and in 17 and in the future. Yeah, and I mean, it, it was interesting when they had their first LMP3 test that was, you know, one of the things considered. Everybody getting out of it said, well, it's a nice little car to drive, but it's going to need a lot more power to get near where these LMPC cars are running right now. That's a testament to this class. Well, really, it's performed like an IMSA Lights car with a roof. And that's not what we uh, what we want for the future. But we really only saw one car. We don't know what the Liget and the other guys are going to do and how good their car is going to be. So I think we kind of jumped the gun a little bit from an exposure standpoint and got everybody's hopes up. Um, there's a reality of what the expectation is in America, and that's much different than the racing reality for a spec class in Europe. They don't have Sebring in Daytona where you put the ultimate kinds of stress on a race car. And we're just too early to know whether the P3 concept will work. Can we go to Daytona and run 24 hours or tolerate the bumps and the, and, and the tough part of Sebring? We don't know yet. So really the future is wide open to us. And, and working with the series, I think they're going to come up with a great answer. Well, and guys, I think it's smart that they're listening to these team owners. Can you, when you think of how long Paul Genelosi, Rocket Sports, RSR, have played this game and played it successfully, you need to listen, and it sounds like they are. Jeremy and I, listening to that, both nodding at various points to the sage words of, of Paul Genelosi. You know, he's been around, he's seen a lot of categories come and go, and he made a lot of very good points there, very sensible points there. Yeah, absolutely right. You, you know, one of the most experienced guys in, in, the, in the sport, he's seen this from absolutely every aspect you know, an accomplished driver in his own right uh, was a, a champ car team owner was actually part of the ownership group in champ car for a while 
uh, during its, one of its transitions. So he knows how series should be run. And to hear him saying all those positive words about looking forward to the future yeah. and, and how you know, everybody's viewpoints are being considered, you know, it's really, really good. Also, when he was talking about how competitive it is, how competitive is it? Well, we've seen the top two guys at the moment. Well, first of all, the top four guys are within just over two tenths of a second. Uh, and both of the top two, Colin Brown and Renga van der Zender, have both been off the road fairly recently. Uh, a big bend uh, just you know, pushing these cars to the limit because they know that's what they're going to have to do in the race. This is super competitive racing. And it's great to see, you know, how, how hard these guys are having to push these cars. I want to pick up on, on one aspect that John was talking about there, and a refreshing one. It, not very often we hear team owners or anybody who's invested in a series saying that the series is talking to them and is listening and is asking their point of view and not only asking and listening but prepared to action that as well, it would seem. That, most times we hear people seeing entirely the opposite. Yeah, we do, don't we? And I think that's the other's kind of a new regime here isn't there over the last sort of 12 months or so and I think that's a, a big part of moving these championships forward I think it's the same in the Continental Tire Sports Car Challenge as well um, you know the, the uh, those two series ones kind of a stepping stone to the other Continental Tire Sports Car Challenge up into the Tudor United Sports Car Championship and and you know everybody is uh, there's a good vibe around the panic I think um, yeah there's always people you know bitching and moaning because you know the the other car's faster than mine and you know i need help to get my car to go faster well quit bleating guys because the, the series is listening they are paying attention they are analyzing all the data on a regular basis and making smart business decisions so yeah no i think the future is is bright and and um i'm excited uh, yeah how fortunate are we to be part of it john no agreed uh, it looks very good we had a big discussion on midweek motorsport as a special on Wednesday about the new LMP2 regulations and it does seem to me so the regulations suit the US far more than they do yes. Europe and um, I was moved to say when you look at the franchise system for the chassis manufacturers it does rather remind me of Daytona prototype and how that came about and um, I may be speaking in heretic terms there um, but it, it does remind me and I, I, all of the positivity that we're getting for those new regulations is coming out of the states uh, all of the yeah. well we'll just have to wait and see is coming out of Europe Yeah. and I don't know how IMSA and Scott Atherton has managed to <laughs> pull this off but I think they've done a cracking job for the future yeah. of the top and let's not forget it's the top class of this series we're talking about normally these guys, the PC guys, are the top class this weekend. And the future of this class is absolutely key for me to provide that stepping stone up towards the the next level of prototype racing. And uh, I was refreshed by hearing Scott Atherton talking to us here on IMSA Radio at Watkins Glen saying, we've ruled nothing in, we've ruled nothing out. We're going to allow people to see what's out there mm. and try and facilitate the opportunity for them to have a look and have a sniff and a smell and a drive of some of these cars and, and find out where the future is. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I think the future really is uh, super bright for 2017. There's a lot of positives uh, around the paddock. And you know, some of the difficult decisions are in terms of of, of a time frame in getting ready for the 2017 season. That was my concern a couple of weeks ago when we saw the uh, 
the announcement, there was a joint announcement from IMSA and from the ACO about what was, you know, how the new 2017 P2 regulations were going to come into effect and some of the time frames there. But, yeah. uh, but I'm hearing now that, uh, you know, it's, while that time frame was a little bit condensed in terms of the start of our season in 2017, uh, I believe that everything is moving ahead much more quickly than that. And, uh, you know, the cars should be uh, pretty much not finally homologated, but certainly you know, all the, uh, the, the basic specification with just a few minor details uh, t to be announced should be done by the middle of next year. And, and cars rolling off the production line in August get ready. That gives us you know, five, six months to get ready for Daytona, and that should be fine. And, and I think you know, all that there's, there's a, I hear there's a goodly amount of manufacturer interest. And yes, I think it's a wonderful opportunity for this for this series. Can we, in this country, uh, maintain something like uh, the WEC, the World Endurance Championship, with the manufacturing involvement? No, we can't, uh, because it's just not feasible with the, uh, with the, the way the racing is over here. It's completely different to Europe, um, and the manufacturers, while looking at North America as hugely important as they are, they're going to be able to get involved in this championship for a fraction of what it costs to run in the World Endurance Championship, and I think there's the benefit there or the opportunity for them to get every bit as much out of it, if not more, like I say, for a fraction of the budget. All good. The uh, Marshall Pruitt of Reza.com telling us that rather shockingly that to run a DP for the full Tudor series now is somewhere um, at or north of $4 million, which is a yeah. considerable investment, isn't it, for a championship that stays in the North American uh, continent. Uh, the issue being that uh, there are people paying less than that to go uh, GT and P2 racing in, in a world championship, including Le Mans as part of that. And it's an interesting dichotomy that the well, series have to try and pull P2 together as a global formula when I, I think that's a fool's errand, if I'm honest, because I think the needs for over here are very different from the, the needs for the the rest of the world um, yeah but I mean you know, in many ways I mean yes okay, you, a lot of the teams fly their cars around different parts of the world but you know the United States is such a huge place and we're covering most of the country you know the, the travel costs are, are immense and uh, you know it's not you can't just go down to your your local racetrack and, and pound around and do yeah. all the testing so you know it's uh, it, it is a the logistics racing in this country are every bit as complicated, oh. really, as doing a world championship. And if you start packing races together, that mm. makes life even more difficult. And I point people towards our friends and colleagues in uh, the IndyCar paddock at the moment who seem to be racing not only every week, but every other Thursday as well, it would seem at the moment, trying to pack everything in before Labour Day. Colin Brown is still the quickest. A couple yeah, of laps to go, turn to 49-1, mm. trimmed a couple of hundredths off the time that they'd been put in earlier. Pringer van der Schande is 49.2, also on 49.2. Mike Gouache, um, I don't think that was Mike that put that time in, if I'm honest, in the 52. James French, now here's a story. This is the joker in the pack, really, as far as the non-pro drivers is concerned. This young man, James, has done a fantastic job since he's come in. He has absolutely got the pace of the rest of the field. And yeah. the top, top six made up by... Uh, Chris Cumming and Todd Slusher in the PC again this weekend. I'll give you the GTD times in a moment after we've heard from Greg down in the pit lane. Yeah, thanks very much, John. You were just talking about uh, James French and uh, the pace that he's been showing, uh, stealing two consecutive uh, pole awards away in, in the last couple of races in the last lap. 
And also one of the topics that we were talking about was that uh, Paul Genelosi had talked about the drivers in this LMPC category. And it's a tremendous opportunity, not just for the non top-level rated driver uh, to gain experience, but a place for those top drivers to come in and uh, showcase themselves and provide some of that experience to these drivers. One of them that it's a delight to see back again, and maybe he has found himself a little home here, and it's long overdue to see him running full-time. Connor Daly just got out of the performance tech machine. First of all, Connor, how's the car going? How's the track? Um, well, it's, it's, it's a great track. I think it's, it's, it's very smooth. It's, I haven't been here since 2007, I don't think, when when Jordan and Ricky Taylor and I were, were battling in the Skip Barber Regional Series before we even got to the Nationals. So um, this is one of my first ever car races was here, and I haven't been back here since. So really cool to get back here. It's a beautiful place, beautiful facility, and, uh, and it's awesome to be with Performance Tech. I mean, they, they have given me a home. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't have been racing anything this year until uh, Brent called me for Sebring this year, and ever since then I was racing all kinds of things. So just great to be here, and, and we just... Got to get a little bit faster uh, every session. Yeah, we were talking with uh, with Paul Genelosi, one of the competitors, but it was just sort of a weird race up in Canada. Some bizarre mechanical thing struck some cars that you just don't see. Uh, back to uh, you know this you know this track. Obviously, it's busy around here. It's going to be the full two hour forty minute race, but just the two categories of cars and a real opportunity to showcase this class, the drivers and the teams. Yeah, wildly busy already, and. Um, I mean, for us, we had water in our fuel in Mossport, so that took us out of a possible race win, and hopefully something as ridiculous as that doesn't happen this time. Um, but, you know, it should be interesting. I mean, there's there's two classes, and it's, you know, we're the outright fastest class here, which is which is nice. You know, there's not as much looking in the mirrors, um, and, you know, it should be uh, chaotic and great on this little, you know, bull ring, as they say, because it's such a short lap. So I'm looking forward to it. I think that's, I, I can't top that. That's the perfect way to describe what we're going to see. Chaotic and great, guys. It sounds brilliant to me. <laughs> uh, slightly chaotic for Michael Marsal in the 97 Turner Motorsports BMW, who has just had a little dusty spin in the IHG Rewards Club sponsored machine. Yeah, I was at Big Bend and uh, also having a How bit many of a tour. has done that, by the way. <laughs> exactly. Not that I've been there, done that. Um, yes. Right, moving on. Uh, Todd Slush, is, he's having a bit of a torrid time at the, moment, at the moment also. It's just his second PC start with the Bar 1 Motorsports Economist 16 in PC. He's a regular driver in the Coupertage prototype, lights powered by Mazda, which is the uh, open specific, the uh, open top uh, single-seat sports cars that run generally as one of the support series amongst the IMSA family. Not here this weekend, but Todd uh, making some... Yeah, making some uh, overtures. He'd like to be racing PC in the future. Uh, having a couple of toe-in-the-water experiences this year. Driving this weekend with Sean Rahal, who shared the car last week with John Falb, who's also uh, coming up through that to Prototype Lights Championship. So Todd's sort of having a little bit of a difficulty there. Had, a, had a, an off-track moment down at Big Bend and a spin at the uphill corner as well at the chicane down there. So uh, he's... Uh, He's finding it a little bit difficult at the moment, John. Uh, I promised to run down a GTD. It's the 33, the Viper of Jerome Blake and Morland on a 53.9. Then John Potter in the 44 Porsche, 53.9. 54.2 for Michael Marcel in the BMW. Then Cooper McNeil in the 22 Porsche. Then Dion von Molke in the first of the Audis, the Paul Miller racing car on a 54.6. Let's uh, head back down to the pit lane and to Greg uh, with more. 
Absolutely. When he got out of the car, I'm not sure it's still there, but when you got out of the car, Andy, you were top of the heap in the GT Daytona category for the Magnus Racing Porsche team. Going to look at the monitor right now. And uh, uh, Andy Lally, obviously, uh, this is a play. You're originally from Long Island, I think, so so this isn't uh, isn't too far from a home track for you. This is where I took my Skip Barber Racing School 23 years ago, 22 years ago. And uh, it's, uh, it's, it's been awesome to see this place evolve. So I've, I do have a lot of track time here, a lot of great memories, a lot of, lot, of, uh, lot of good wins here. And, yeah, the car was fast this morning. Uh, we just got pipped by the Viper, as usual. And, uh, but, but we've got a pretty good base for, for the Porsche, but it's, it's extremely uncomfortable right now. Uh, we didn't unload the way we thought we would quick, which is good. Uh, relative to the other Porsches, but I think uh, we've got some work to do still. But th- this is Lime Rock, and that's what happens around here. It's, a, it's usually an unpredictable place, and uh, it's always a tricky place because you're so, so busy. You never stop and straighten the wheel out here, but for a couple seconds on the front straight. Always chasing it here, then, at Lime Rock, pretty much? We are always chasing something here. You never, you know, the, every track you go to, they, you know, they talk about having to sacrifice one thing for the other, but this is, uh, for, his, for a place that has a whole lot of right turns and just a left, it, you have to really, the, the, car, the car behaves so differently at different ends of the course here that uh, you really do have to kind of set up a, a game plan of either shooting down the middle or being really awesome at one end and really sacrificing the other. You guys are coming off a, a good podium finish, obviously, the last race for you guys, not running in Canada at the Glen, albeit in vastly different conditions, certainly. Uh, but that's got to help a little bit, just to you know, get the momentum, get the spirits up with the team. Uh, a team that has no quit in it, I might add. The Watkins Glen result was definitely a, a, a change in the right direction for us. We'd have some abysmal luck throughout 2015 so far. But, uh, yeah, it definitely gives these guys a little momentum, a little justification for their hard work and everything that they've done behind the scenes. Because, you know, I've said it a million times, these guys, these guys at Magnus kick butt, and they, they really work well and, and are strong, and they do a ton of hours behind the scene, and they leave their heart, their heart in the passenger seat with me. So it's, uh, it, it's good to get a result for them, and hopefully we can continue that streak now. Absolutely. Well, always a pleasure to talk to you. I know you love coming back here to Lime Rock Park. I understand, John, that we uh, had the number 16 bar one machine have a quick off and off at the uh, exit of Big Bend. Looks like he's continued. Yeah, Todd Slusher just uh, lost his way a tiny bit. Thanks, Greg. Uh, Continental Tire Pitlane reporter for this first practice session for the Tudor United Sports Car Championship is Greg, Greg Kramer. It's Jeremy Shaw with me, John Hindoff, in the booth. Uh, he won't be the last person to go off there either. Um, <laughs> there was a left-hander he went off at, wasn't he, that uh, Todd at that time? He's been, he's been off at Big Ben later on, now he's been on, and he was also off at the uphill, and he's been off at the, um, at the left-hander as well. So, so uh, he's only got three more corners to yes, go off at then. Yeah, no, the other, the other place is not really recommended. You said, you, I mean, he can't drive and race here without having had a moment right. at Big Bend. No. Because everybody must do it, surely. Yeah, everybody leaves their breaking too late there at some stage. <laughs> There's a wry <laughs> smile has just drifted across the face of a of a Jeremy Shaw who is clearly remembering something from his motor funny, racing though, past. Hear, hearing Andy Lally there talk, talk about you know, the, his first experience racing was right here at Lionel yeah. Park with the Skip Barber Racing School. How many people this weekend yes. could say the same thing? A lot. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's 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 uh, you know the Skip Barber Racing School was based here for many many years. Oh, there's Michael Marzal off the road again. Where's that? Is that? That's at the right at the top of the hill. So he's actually gone onto yeah, the old West track Bend. Yeah. at West Bend. 
and just lost it. It has dirt <laughs> now on the, the limits. Yes, dirt on the Continental tyres of the 97 Turner BMW Z4, Z4. Down through the final corner and onto the front straight. He will pass us now. We're right on the finishing line, overlooking it at the moment in a very pleasant place to be with air conditioning that works very nicely. Mm. We've had some blinds put in this weekend as well so that we don't get too overheated. Thank you very much to Skip Barber and the rest of the staff here for making us welcome, as was ever the case, I should mention. Yes. The 76 car, this is the new Compass 360 car that is out there, the R8 Audi, running in GTD specification, of course. The new car out in Europe. Uh, interesting. I'm, I'm hearing very interesting rumours about who have got new versions of this car for next year, which I've been uh, sworn to secrecy on uh, at the moment. Yes. <laughs> Jeremy Shaw has also raced a Skip Barber car here. Well, I've had a note passed to me for, <laughs> from next door with various degrees of success. No, it was a, I had a great race battle for the lead, which was with my very good friend Paul Fanner, actually, from, who's now the... Uh, the publisher of Racer again, Magazine. Was just, who's now again the publisher of Racer Magazine. Again, yeah. Yeah, he's the, the original founding uh, founder of, of Racer Magazine. And yeah, we, we had a, it was a, it was actually the uh, 35th anniversary, I think, Greg Ricks, wasn't it? Yeah, the 35th anniversary of Formula Ford over here. Big festival. And uh, it was crying, 93, I think that was. So a long, long time ago now. But we, we had a, uh, yeah, Skip Barber uh, race here for, uh, for, for various sort of, People from the journalistic field and found along with a with a ringer had a fabulous battle for the lead. Three of us are back and forth all the way through. It's tremendous until I ran out of talent down at Big Bend and uh, and spun it around and Fanner went on to win the damn thing, which is rather irritating. And I bet he's never <laughs> let you forget that, has he? I bet that comes up in conversation every time. It does, he manages yeah. to work it into yes. conversation every time. <laughs> I can Paul, see that Paul's, happening. Paul's better known in Mexico though. He he, he did a Formula Ford race down in Mexico, which I wasn't at. And he was, he was, he was, his name down there was Raul Pifaner. He was, Pifaner, he was called Raul. He was actually down in Mexico, I gather, a couple of weeks ago, re renewing old acquaintances at Mexico City Racetrack. Of course, going to be held back holding a Formula One race again this year. Yeah, there was an FIA conference yes. down there, and uh, a number of people from the North American scene was down there. Not Scott Elkins, uh, late of uh, IMSA, was down there on the safety side, and. Uh, quite a few of the WEC guys as well there's some speculation that that will become a venue for a World Endurance Championship round to go uh, potentially go back to back with the round that's coming up that is a share with the IMSA uh, race of course Whoops. at uh, at quarter now that is the final corner the diving turn and that I'm afraid is Michael Marsal again who has gone off in the biggest possible way yeah, in the 97 Turner got and he has done that in the way that everybody does. He's gone in, lost the back end, and went off backwards. Yes. Um, yeah, we, how, how many times have we seen that over the years? That's the one corner you really don't want to be exploring the limits uh, because it's... Um, it's quick coming through there. It's very fast down there. It's basically just a lift of the throttle sometimes. In many cars, it's flat out. But Do you know um, what? when he's, it goes wrong, it goes wrong quickly. He's got away relatively lightly. It looks bad mm. on the back of the bodywork of the normally pristine yellow and blue Turner BMW. And there's definitely some work there in terms of rear lights and fenders. 
but I'm looking mm. at that. It's a bit shorter than it was when it went Yes, in. it looks like a BMW compact now rather than a Z4. Perhaps some right rear suspension damage as well. And just got into the middle of the corner and it let go. And he couldn't stop That's it strange. once it gets onto the grass. Rather, I expected to see him sideways rather earlier in that piece. That was a bit of an odd one, that, Jeremy, as if he'd almost... Is the, am I mistaking this, or yeah, is there something on the, on the line? Yeah, just it's got a bit of a, a wheel there a wiggle on turning. Yeah. And you need to be committed here from the turning. You need to be on the throttle, and you don't want to be lifted. Any time you lift after that, you're going to get yourself in trouble. It looks like that was that's what happened there to Michael Marzal, and... Uh, he got a bit of a wiggle, presumably got out of the throttle, and at that point you just got to kind of stick with it and trust it and um, and just control the car from there. But uh, if you get out of the throttle, it upsets it, and you come from coming down the hill into kind of a compression yeah. at the bottom of the corner. If you unload the car there, it can go wrong in a hurry. That's uh, unfortunately what's happened to that number 97 BMW. The camber change as well across the circuit. If you get yeah. to the inside, the camber does start to help you. He didn't um, quite get that far. He didn't quite get that far. Exactly the point I was, I was heading towards. Uh, and I speak of absolutely no racing knowledge around here, only having driven it in a uh, Vitesse car, in a, in a street car, um, having had the time of my life doing that, in fairness. The uh, first time I ever came here, um, was I think the second time the LMS were here didn't come to the first one for reasons that I won't bore you with it involved a full time normal job a proper job as my father would say and, real uh, life yes real life got in the way and uh, Patty Hughes took me round in a um, Corvette and uh, left nothing on the table which left me wide eyed as you might imagine, having not seen the track before at all. So, uh, nip down into the Continental Tires pit lane, and Dane Cameron is with Greg Kramer. He is indeed, Dane, obviously in the car a bit early. Michael out now, and we understand he just had an off over in the diving turn. Uh, was able to drive away, but it looked like there was some damage. First of all, what have you heard? Yeah, there's uh, not, uh, not really any small accidents here at Lime Rock Park, that's for sure. But I think uh, he was able to drive it back, so obviously, hopefully everything's uh, not so bad. And the Turner boys are the best in business to get us tuned back up and hopefully back out there for next practice or qualifying, depending on, on what it looks like. But, uh, yeah, unfortunately, you know, really was looking forward to driving with, with Michael here and being back with my friends at Turner So after uh, our success last year. So it's hoping for uh, a good, fun weekend. It's a home, home event for Turner Motorsports and Michael and everybody. So uh, hopefully it's just a minor speed bump. We'll be good to go for the race. Yeah, homecoming for you, obviously, with this team winning a championship last year. Yeah, you came off of the race up at Canadian Tire Motorsport Park, and obviously the prototype class not here, so available so close. I mean, one of those races where, boy, talk about coulda, woulda, shoulda. Uh, in the end, it was just, what was it, a, a, a fuel cup? issue that uh, that basically uh, uh, stole it from you but great progress with that program as well the win at Detroit most telling yeah the wheeling program has been going fantastic so yeah most sport was a uh, was a close one for sure it was it was cool we were kind of by ourselves, and we were just trying to stick to our plan and, and make it and make it work but obviously uh, a small little little hiccup there was was our undoing but it was still a great showing for uh, for wheel motorsports so really happy with how everything's coming along there been really really competitive lately so still a couple more rounds there to try to get another win for uh, for Sonny and the gang there 
just a minute ago, I was watching you before we were talking, you were doing that old sign language of racing with one of the crew guys, all kinds of gesturing about what's going on. Obviously, uh, just you always have to fine tune and work on, on the cars here. How did the car feel while you were in it? Uh, well, for me, it was just kind of getting back in the swing of it. I haven't been in the car, obviously, very much since, since uh, Petit last year. So trying to get my head back around GT car a little bit. I haven't been to Lime Rock Park for a couple of years. Last time I was here, I was in a DP as well. So you're trying to get used to it. Obviously, being in a GT from the prototype, there's a whole lot more motion. And cars are going to move around a little bit more and slide some more. So uh, the car's not bad. Needed a little bit more rear grip, as obviously we kind of saw was kind of the undoing with Michael there a little bit. So uh, we were making, trying to make the rear better. We made some changes. I thought the car was getting better. Uh, we wanted to get Michael in, get some lap time. Obviously, it's a pretty condensed schedule here, and uh, we we're going to try to make some changes and uh, and keep making it better. So we're, we were looking for a little bit more rear grip, but obviously uh, now the now the focus changed towards hopefully uh, assessing the damage and then repairing the damage and, and moving on from there. So put our head down and see if we can still win this thing. All right, Dan, great to have you back in this category, and I'm certainly enjoying watching what you're doing up in the prototype ranks. Thanks very much. Looking forward to uh, being back here with all my friends, Turner Motorsports, and having some fun in GTD this weekend. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're here to win, so we'll see what happens. He's everywhere to win, that's for sure. Man of many talents, reigning GT champion, and uh, absolute star in prototypes as well. Just under 40, 4-0 minutes to go. That was Greg Kramer, our continental tire pit lane reporter. Uh, John Heinov and Jeremy Shaw watching their times here. I, I was going to say, not tumble, but certainly improving. 48-8 uh, now the best time. John Bennett has jumped into that 54-core Autosport car. 48.8 uh, seconds. Uh, just dwell on that. That includes the chicane here, uh, which in the ultimate iteration of this track, of course, uh, I think it was... Is it uh, PJ Jones that uh, has the ultimate record round here but that did not include the chicane although I am getting to see Continental Tires cars uh, championship cars running on that circuit without the chicane just the uphill right hander which I've never seen racing ha here before on that in all my years here we've had the, the, the chicane of course so that was a bit of an eye opener for me when we were on board with I think Billy Johnson as he went tearing down uh, to that and he didn't turn right for the chicane scared me a wee yeah, bit but the, quick that corner. even with the chicane in the character of this circuit has not been diminished has it over the years no and I think for, for, for most series it makes sense to run that uh, that uh, extra corner down there because the, the, the climbing turn is it, it is pretty dangerous I mean there's no runoff there whatsoever and when you've got cars of different performances coming into that um it's you know somebody makes a move and somebody doesn't you're not perhaps paying uh, enough attention and the car made contact you get you're in the wall before you know it and also there's the i was talking to skip barber actually just a little bit earlier on before we came on air there's the issue of the cars that are more downforce efficient nowadays and potentially those cars um breaking traction with the track yeah, really. um, and therefore it makes no sense at all to try and run them through the, the very fast uphill. Right, John Morton had a massive crash there in, a, in the uh, Nissan GTP car years ago, just did a, a, a flip over mm. and it was after that that they uh, put the uh, chicane in there, so yeah no, it's, it's definitely a smart move and uh, it's, it's still a challenging race track Top 5 separated by uh, half a second, just over uh, Top 4 by under 4 tenths uh, as it's still the 54 from the 8, from the 52, the 38 and the 11. That's your top five. 16 with Todd Slusher 
uh, in sixth position and Stephen Simpson's just climbed aboard the 85 car, the mainly yellow machine. 54 laps competed by the 85 yeah. car. Don't see that very often in a practice <laughs> session with 35 minutes uh, still to go. In GTD, Ben Keating's now aboard the Viper, which has posted a 53.9. This is this is a GTD car, remember. This is not a full house GTE car. So under 54 seconds for the Viper and for John Potter and the 44 Porsche. And just on 54 seconds, Michael Marcel, um, notwithstanding his uh, issues, that car's probably not going to turn any more laps in this session. Needs a little bit of tender loving care. Cooper McNeil in the 22 Porsche, 54.5. Dion von Moltke in the 48. The best of the two Audis this weekend, the Paul Miller racing car in fifth position with a 54.6. And also on a 54.6, Spencer Pumpelli in the 73 car uh, makes up the top six. Yeah, and you talked about that, the number 85 PC car, the uh, JDC Miller Motorsports entry, uh, Michael Goikberg there doing 54 laps in uh, you know, just over 50 minutes in this session. That's a, that's a, a, whole, a full race stint that he's just completed in, in that car. The... Uh, the originally from Russia, now based in Canada for uh, quite a lot of years. Last year's champion in the Cooper Tires Prototype Lights, powered by Mazda Championship, the uh, open top, uh, the uh, feeder series for the Tudor United Sports Car Championship, or one thereof. Uh, so a really good opportunity there for Mikhail Goldberg to, to, to feel what a full race stint here is like. Uh, and I think that's a smart move by that team, John Church, and uh, the rest of the crew at JDC Motorsports to get Mikhail plenty of time out there you know, run a full stint see how the car changes during that time and also get an opportunity to feel like what it's going to be with all the traffic that is around him all the way through the race that's what he's going to have to deal with tomorrow so i think that was a smart move and uh, you know as you say 54 laps here and we're only two-thirds of the way through the session just shows you how much can be accomplished here most of the other teams most of the laps anybody else has done is 47 there's been a couple of those the uh, number 38 car performance tech motorsports pc car that's connor daly and james french also completely 47 laps as has number 22 WeatherTech porsche of lee keen and cooper mcneil let's head back down to our continental tire pitlin reporter it's greg kramer for this session greg what do you have well one of those guys that uh, mcgail is going to have to deal with is one of the best in the business joe bleakamolin who of course drives for the riley motorsports uh, viper team at Jerome, first of all, uh, I have to say this. You know, you look at the Viper with that big engine, and just the look of the car, it looks big, you know, for this track. And yet you guys go out and you're right there. This, this, this Riley Motorsports team just can get it done, can't they? Yeah. I mean, all year the car has been uh, really good. And, uh, again, we just went out, uh, and, and it was uh, right away. It was quick. We had a good feeling with the car. We made a couple of small changes, but nothing nothing too big. And, yeah, it's just running great. Uh, Ben also posted some uh, very competitive lap time, so uh, we're happy. Where on this track is the strength of this car? Where does it really seem to work? Yeah, it's hard to pick one point. I think typically we're pretty quick in the, in the high-speed stuff, so turn seven is good for us. But um, here, the first couple of corners, you need to be quick too, and so far it feels okay. You know, you got fast lap in class at Le Mans eight and a half mile track and i gotta make a comparison you know then uh, obviously you guys ran at the glen but now you're at it's a mile and a half 
with only seven counted turns and a lot of traffic out there. This is about as different as it gets from a lot of tracks. And I see you smiling, though. You love this place, don't you? Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Uh, like you say, it's very different. Obviously, not a, not a very long lap, but... Uh, Especially, I didn't drive very much. I did only uh, two races here in the past. But uh, when I came around turn six, turn seven for the first time, it, it literally put a smile on my face again, uh, being out there in the car. And you feel like you really need to, yeah, to, to push hard to be quick here. And yeah, it's, 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 it's fun. And as a team, with the stops, everything here, you've got to execute to absolute perfection because one hiccup can be hugely costly, isn't it? Yeah, it's so easy to go a lap down or even two or three laps down here. So, um, yeah, you have to be on it the whole time, no mistakes, uh, which is usually the case. But here it's even more critical with the slow, uh, with the short lap. Absolutely. Well, we're looking forward to the race, and we're looking forward to seeing qualifying coming up a little bit later today. Jerome Bleekemolen. Yeah, and his teammate, Ben Keating, he turned a 55-1 uh, a lap or two ago in that number 33 Viper. So, as Jerome was saying there, some good competitive laps here by uh, Ben Keating. Watching that car now coming through the uh, left-hander, through the uh, S's. And uh, that certainly is the car to beat. It's been the car to beat pretty much all the way through the season. But uh, as we've heard, they've had certainly an awful lot of bad luck this season. Just one thing after another seems to have gone wrong. But uh, the car has always been fast. And uh, the, the, there has been a win this year for, uh, for Ben Keating, but not in that particular car. His, his win came in the sister car which is running just in the Tequila Patron North American Endurance Championship, which consists of Daytona 24 hours, the Sebring 12 hours, the Salem 6 hours of the Glen, and then later in the season, uh, Petit Le Mans, 10 hours at Road Atlanta. So the, the uh, second of the Vipers running just in the long-distance races, and Ben Keating generally shares both cars during, during those Enduros. So he's had one win this season, but not in his preferred car, which is number 33, which... which he certainly had uh, strong intentions of going for the championship this season, but uh, they're still yeah, reasonably uh, placed. Uh, he's down in the ninth place at the moment, 30-odd uh, points behind, so certainly a lot of ground to make up, but the car is always fast. It's at IMSA Radio if you uh, want to drop us a line on Twitter. I should have mentioned that earlier on, and if you're here at the circuit listening on the PA at the moment, 454 is your scanner frequency 454.000 and as ever thanks to the guys from racing radios for the equipment to get us out on that frequency no it's sometimes difficult to hear the pa around here when the cars are with you so if you've got your quiet cans on and you can listen to us on 454 uh, right throughout the weekend was an improvement second fastest uh, number 52 car now Tom Kimber-Smith shares at number 52 PR1 Matheson Motorsports entry uh, with uh, Michael Gouache and that car now second fastest of 49.083 so just a couple of tenths away now from the Colin Brown John Bennett car car number 54 John Bennett has been driving that car at the moment and uh, Tom Kimber-Smith just did those, uh, a quick lap there took back over the car back over from Michael Gouache and uh, is now back onto pit lane for a few more adjustments onto that car. No changes in GTD, it's still the Viper that leads, the time set by Jerome Bleckermollen, uh, 53.9. Last time around for Ben Keating was a 56.1. And uh, somebody just improved there, who was that? Some, uh, something, oh yeah, Spencer Pompelli just moved up to third place in GTD, car number 73. That's a park place motorsports Porsche. 
So he's jumped his way from, I think he was sixth or seventh, all the way up to third place, a 54.1 then for Spencer Pompelli. And did you mention the 52 car had popped up the second position? I d yes, I did. Right, thank you. Yes. Sorry, I was rather distracted by uh, something else. Let's head down to the Continental Tide pit lane reporter, who is Greg Kramer, working hard in the sunshine. Greg? Yes, indeed. Well, I'm going to step in here and uh, bother somebody. We've heard the story so much already about how this is home. I've been here. This is where I started. Bill Sweeter, I mean, this is kind of home ground for you, too, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, uh, frankly, Lime Rock, I learned to drive here. Um, it always brings a big smile when I come up here. I love it at Lime Rock, and I'm so happy we're back here. And it can't be too bad coming to race at Lime Rock in a Ferrari. I mean, that's, that, that, that's pretty good stuff, isn't it? Now, actually, the past couple of years, I uh, kind of pinched myself. Uh, you know, you never dream. You dream of it, but then when it comes to reality, uh, it's pretty special. So, this year's been good. We raced at Le Mans, a Ferrari, and, uh, you know, we podiumed. So um, we're, we're up there in the points, and we're, we're fighting. We're fighting. Well, you guys always do, and that's something that uh, is, is kind of showcased here, considering that it's, it's GTD and the, the uh, PC class here only. It really puts a showcase on the GTD category, and the fact that even though it may not be outright factory teams, there's a huge amount of manufacturer interest and support in this class. I think there's, what, seven different manufacturers represented in the entry here alone. Yeah, after racing in both GT and GTD, I mean, clearly they're, they're both fierce categories, but GTD, it's amazing that you have the breadth of, uh, of different brands and cars, and, uh, you know, frankly, I think next year is going to be even more exciting to go into 2016, so uh, love being here. I have, you know, huge group of friends and family coming, so I'm excited for the race. Yeah, you mentioned that before about, uh, you know, the clan coming here. That's going to be absolutely awesome. I have to ask you, though, the Ferrari, how does it suit this track? How do you think you're going to fare? Uh, I missed the end of the question. Just how do you think you're going to fare? How, how does the Ferrari suit Lime Rock? Yeah, the Ferrari's a flowing race car, um, you know, great downforce. Um, clearly, the Ferrari should be really good here. We're uh, working on a couple things right now, and uh, we've been... Uh, we haven't thrown any stickers on yet, so we'll see how she uh, she handles the red-headed girlfriend uh, when uh, we get stickers on. All right. Well, that'll be the litmus test for sure, but uh, they're looking forward to it, John. Thank you, sir. That's uh, Greg Kramer down in the pit lane as our Continental Tire pit lane reporter for this Tudor Championship Practice 1 session live on IMSA Radio. A little bit of a whoopsie for Chris coming at the first corner at the Big Bend. Just uh, rotating the car excessively into the corner. Yes, at the beginning of the corner, that one. Mm. Just uh, so many ways you can fall off this track. There really is. <laughs> and big bend. There's pretty much every way that you can ever think of of going off at the the first corner at big bend. You can go off that way because you can do it by outbreaking yourself, which we'll see. You can do it as Chris did there, getting into it and then just getting on the throttle a little bit too early. No, it's a patience it was before corner. that. He, he, was, he, he lost it under initial braking. Ah, okay. Um, yeah, Maybe because you, you, you kind of, you, you, you generally, I think, just do, do at least one or two downshifts and then then to kind of coast a little bit before you get a hard on the brakes again for the for the second the, half the other corner. classic bit is getting the first part of the corner right and mentally congratulating yourself yes. and then getting on the power a tad too early for the second piece because there is a bit of patience involved there and just running out of road on the exit that is the other classic way of going off at 
the first corner I here at Lionel so. Park. I believe so, says Jeremy Shaw alongside we did me. A, we get a change. Did we talk about that change in, uh, in GTD? We've got a new, new fastest, new fastest man, now man now in, now, yeah, yeah. in GTD just a couple of laps ago. Spencer Pompelli uh, improved, first of all, to third place and then to the overall fastest time in GTD. Yeah? Number 73, Porsche, 53.875. That's uh, 0 0.06 seconds quicker than the time set earlier by the number 33 Viper and then Andy Lally's Porsche uh, car number 44 Magnus racing car which John Potter is now driving that a 53.9 as well so really really tight at the top in GTD it's ridiculously tight isn't it we are we are talking about less than a tenth of a second between the top three and then oh almost three tenths of a second further back the BMW which I doubt we'll see any more of this session Michael Marcel uh, dumping it off at a variety of corners but then ultimately at the final corner at the diving bend and doing a proper job of it um, causing some bodywork damage to the rear and the right rear of that Turner Motorsport BMW We've seen number 23 uh, Alex Job racing entry lately I have number 23 car that hasn't been out lately That car was uh, going through scrutinying this morning when I was talking to to Alex looking forward to the rest of this season but also clearly another one of the team owners here who are very much looking forward to the end uh, or the beginning rather of next season with the new GT3 the FIA GT3 cars more of that uh, in a moment as Greg down in the pit lane has Patrick Lindsay co-driver to Mr. Pompelli you guys were just talking about that uh, has gone to the top of the charts and I walked up to kind of congratulate Patrick, and he looked at me and goes, yeah, but this track's not easy right now. What's up? Well, it's tough. There's a really narrow groove, and we're trying to figure it out. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's basically an oval when we come here, so getting used to uh, turning a lot of rights and only a couple times to the left is, is difficult. I'm, it's fun. This place is a blast. It's so fast. You know, the, the lap time comes and goes so quickly. You get a lot of opportunity to improve the car and, uh, and try things out. So that's what we're doing. We're just trying to figure out this track, figure out the car. I hope it uh, gets a little more forgiving because it's not going to suit my driving style right now, but Spencer is really happy with the car. Uh, we'll just see where we end up. Well, and you talked about just the speed of everything going on, but you've got the blend of the other cars going on, so if it's a single groove track and you get forced off that groove a little bit, that's got to get a bit sketchy. Hey, we'll just make those uh, prototype guys move offline. They got all the arrow to push down on this track anyway. Plus, we'll let them just kind of sweep it off, you know, no, no big deal. But everybody's behaving themselves right now. I don't see any reason to worry about, even though it's a narrow groove, uh, you know, everyone getting along. But, uh, man, that chicane's going to be tough. I saw a couple people uh, almost get it really wrong, uh, you know, in traffic into that chicane. So we'll have to mind our manners going into there. I think, uh, I think right now everyone's playing nicely, like I said. Come race day, it's anybody's guess. I sure don't want to take any of those big uh, curbs, you know, off offline there. So, yeah. Yeah, obviously, uh, survival at a track like this is huge. And don't you love the optimism, guys? I mentioned that, you know, if a faster car moves you offline, you immediately went to the prototype challenge, guys. Nobody in GTD is going to be faster. I love it. Yes, very good. Very good. Uh, how long left? 20 minutes still of yeah. this session. Interesting thing, though, that... Uh Patrick Lindsay said it, it is almost like an oval here and this is, mm. this is one of the tracks well one of very few tracks where the engineers often they'll, they'll at least c consider the idea of setting it up as if it was an oval because and on an oval track they, they're just left turn only tracks 
and you, you set the car up. So if you look at all the cambers on an oval race car, they're all, all the wheels are tilted towards the inside, so to speak. So they have negative and positive camber on, on, on each axle. And that's something you'll actually consider doing here. Set asymmetrically. Yes, asymmetrically, because it is uh, you know, just that one left-hand turner turn here all the other corners right handers so if you can make the car particularly quick through all the right handers and just give up a little bit of time through the left there's a potential gain there but it does make the car very difficult to drive the, yes and if you're not used to that if you're not used to the fact that you may even have to put a little bit of left yeah. hand lock on down the straight to go in yeah. a straight line then that's going to throw you you kilt the right out the other thing about the left hander here although it's quite a long left hander it's not a crucial left-hander in terms of your top speed at the end of the next straight because there's a right-handed kink before you go down. Yes, which isn't flat out. Yes, exactly. Oh, so right. it's not as if you're, you're losing anything that left-hander. So the, yeah. the possibility and the temptation, if you like, to, yeah. to set up the car for right-handers and give up that left-hander is huge here yes. for those who dare. It's a question of whether your driver can adapt to it because it is very different. As anybody who has ever done any arrive-and-drive karting and turns up, and by the way, at the moment, the 73 uh, car, the Porsche, with Spencer Pompelli, is going for another quick lap here. Beautiful four-wheel drift coming out of Big Bend. Um, anyone who's done arrive-and-drive karting and got a kart that's slightly bent and only turns one way, and if it's the right way on the circuit, and I, it fits all as we've got a little bit of a an issue with the Viper the 33 car, Jerome Blake and Mullins yeah. machine. Just there was a PC car in close proximity there coming through that left hander, the left hander. Um, yes, not often you see Blake and Mullins. No, 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 absolutely not. Um, let's have a. I wonder, did he jump or was he pushed here? He was pushed, most certainly. Yeah, I'm not sure. Oh, I think. The back wheels were not in contact, contact mm. with the uh, the tarmac there when we speak to Jerome. Yes, just going uh, through yes. the uh, the analogy of left-handers, right-handers. If you get a cart that's bent one way and it turns left-handers and you've all got left-handers around the circuit, then fine. Uh, if you're all right-handers, it's a pain because you just can't get it to turn. You have to modify your driving style on the ones that it doesn't work on. Exactly the same here. If you set it up for right-handers only, then the left-handed corner will just feel wrong. Yeah. It won't feel the way you would expect it to do. Blake Mullen straight into the pit lane after I, that spin. I think he got away with it. I think he was lucky there. There doesn't seem to be any damage to the uh, rear diffuser on that car, um, which would be a stroke of luck, because it, it looked, certainly looked like a pretty... It wasn't a heavy impact, but it was a kind of a sharp impact on that car. I just turned it around, I think. Uh, I think you're right, John. I think there was some contact there. But it mm. was John Bennett in the number 54 court order sport car. And again, there doesn't seem to be damage on that car either. So I think they perhaps got, both got away with that. But uh, Jerome had just gone back out of the pit lane again, having left most of the session to Ben Keating, his co-driver, in, in that number 33 Viper Exchange machine. Hello to Joe R, who is listening before setting off to come and visit us here. Good man. Cooler is full, car is full of fuel, leaving soon, three and a half hours stint to Lime Rock Park. Is that a one-stop? Refueling man? stop I was going to say, is it, is, it fuel, is it fluids in or fluids out for the stop? That's the, <laughs> that's the question. You've got to get your tactics right fluids there, Fluids in when you get here, I'm sure. I yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Absolutely right. Enjoy <laughs> the drive up. Not sure where you're coming from, Joe, but uh, nice to hear you listening. But anyway, where to drive here is, is a ah, nice drive, isn't it? It's fantastic. Beautiful drive. scenery. 
Thank you, Greg. Definitely contact. Who's looking at the back of the uh, car down in the pit lane? And uh, our Continental Tire pit lane reporter, Greg. Are you actually uh, at the at the car yourself now? Yes, you are. I am. Yep. Uh, they just had the. Uh rears off of the car having a pretty solid look at it but they've just put at least the right rear back on i think the left rear is on as well and uh, just having a little bit of a conversation with the guys in the box at the moment but your is staying on board in fact it is that's the next door car has just come to life so we'll see if these guys are able to go back out but uh it, there's no thrashing going on here so i think you guys are right they may have gotten away with it and matter of fact thumbs up car's coming down and out he goes perfect also thumbs up Yes, almost. For the first time of asking today, indeed it will be now, going out onto the circuit, the TRG Aston Martin Racing 007, the blue machine, is out onto the circuit just underneath our feet. The V12 rumbles out and on to the end of the start-finish straight here, down towards the first corner, Big Bend. And the 007 car then, for the first time, after some gearbox issues we mm. heard uh, earlier on from Greg, who had checked in for us with just 14 minutes. This is ooh, not a very happy-looking car. Oh, they are sliding around on cold, on cold tires. tires. Yes, <laughs> and it will be literally a shakedown. I think the good news is I can hear gearbox functioning. I.e., it is changing up and down, which is good. Paddle shift on that car, of course, and the trademark scream. The skirl of the Aston Martin V12. Christina Nielsen at the wheel of the car will come in to the pit lane immediately after that outlap. Greg? Yeah, yeah, Christina's sitting here with me. I think it's Kuno out in the car right now. Excuse and me. Uh, Christina clarified a little bit when I just chatted with her. It was it was more clutch than gearbox, I guess. But you said it's it's fixed. Kuno now in. What's the word you're hearing at this point? Uh, not sure right now, to be honest. Um, we're just trying to get some laps in. I think there was some brake fluid um, on the floor. Not sure on the bottom of the car. So we're just trying to get that cleaned out. I don't think it will take long. Um, the guys work super hard now. And... It's awesome that they got the car ready, so we got a few laps in, hopefully, here at the end of the session. You think you're going to be able to get any time in on this one? Uh, it's okay. I'll take it next session. Have you driven here at this track before? Yeah, I actually got my first podium in America on this track. I finished second last year in the Porsche Cup. Had a really close race. Um, it's amazing. So I can't wait to be back out. But for now, um, Kuno, uh, Kuno is doing this. All right, so Kuna doing the sorting, but she's hoping to get out, and I expect we'll see a lot of her then on track in the afternoon session. So, always a pleasure. I can hear that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Greg. <laughs> Thank you, Greg. Always the gentleman as our Continental Tire pit lane report. Well, that's good news. So that's the 17th car to go out. It hasn't been scored for doing a full lap because it hasn't done a flying lap but it has been out onto the circuit. Jeremy Shaw Yeah, Christopher Hauser taking back over the wheel of number 48 uh, Paul Miller racing Audi, the championship leading car in GTD uh, having uh, Dion von Malka dri driving the majority of the session Christopher Hauser now back at the wheel, he just had a bit of an off down there, I think that was a big bend as well, so another guy exploring the limits, a couple of improvements lately in uh, GTD Townsend Bell Take, taken over the Scuderia Corsa Ferrari, kind of 63 from the local guy, my uh, local man.
Bill Sweedler. That car moved up to fifth place now in GTD, or 54.3 for Townsend Bell, 53.8 for the class leader, Spencer Mappelli. Also improving up the front of the field, Connor Daly in car number 38. Performance Tecmo Sports moved up into the second place, uh, a 48.996. So two cars now under 49 seconds. Yes, that and Sean Rayhold knocking on the door as yeah, well. Yeah, very much so. In the 16 car. Yeah, uh, we've got 48.8 from the 54 core Autosport car then. Connor Daly's time just put in, he's just peeled off into the pit lane actually. 48.996, 49 flat, the best time for the 52 car. Mike Gouache now at the wheel is a second or so away from that at the moment having turned 61 laps but Stephen Simpson and the 85 got 75 laps in this <laughs> session he's got 11 minutes left he's not going to be able to get up to triple figures my goodness me they've been pushing hard that's impressive but we've got what six cars at the head of the field Jeremy under 50 seconds under 50 seconds around here with the chicane in play the best of the GTDs uh, Spencer Pumpelli's 73 and that time the 53.8 then Blake and Morland in the 33 so the two Vipers looking very strong 53.9 John Potter now in the 44 Porsche with a 53.9 54.2 for Michael Marsal in the BMW that's had its issues and remember that car is being fixed at the moment then that Townsend Bell time from just a couple of laps ago, 54-3. Nice and tight at the top of the GTD field. And I think enough gap, three or four seconds a lap, that when we see these cars racing together, yeah, you're going to catch them, what, five, six, seven laps maybe uh, in racing conditions, the back of the line. You're going to be going through traffic. Um, but I think the performance difference and how they make their lap times, Jeremy, gives us a good opportunity to have some good close racing between yeah. the two classes here. Yeah, I think so. And you know, when, when all four classes running here together, literally they'll be ca catching the, the, the fast prototypes, we're catching the, the uh, slowest, what now would be GTD cars. I mean, after two or three laps of racing, and it's then constant traffic thereafter. But uh, this should be... I think, I think it'll allow a better flow for the race, certainly for the drivers. And I think, uh, like I said earlier on, less, uh, less propensity for full-course cautions, I hope. Uh, let's go down to Greg, who uh, has one of those protagonists we were talking about uh, to talk to as part of our Continental Tire pit lane report. Absolutely. I'm in that JDC pit, and you guys have been marveling about the lap count that they're putting in out here. And, John, I understand that's uh, basically track familiarization for the drivers. Yeah, I mean, neither one of the guys have been here before, so we're just trying to get uh, get them some seat time and get them figuring out their way around this place. It's a tricky little circuit. You know, people look at it and go, oh, it's a mile and a half, and look at the layout. It doesn't seem that tough. But to find those last few tenths that you obviously are going to need when we're seeing the speed from everybody else in the class here, it's tough. Yeah, it always looks easier on TV, that's for sure. <laughs> Yeah, they were just in, had the uh, the rear deck off, and we're doing some work on the back of the car. Just now starting to work on, on some setup changes? Yeah, we're just trying some stuff, trying to get figure out what, what works here and what doesn't, and go from there. It's a pretty ultra-intensely competitive class. Uh, it has been for a while, certainly no less this year. And uh, obviously, you've got Mikhail driving with it, and, and, and Stephen. Uh, you guys, uh, these are drivers that have been with your program for a while, just not a lot of knowledge here. 
Yeah, exactly. We've you know we've only been here. This is our first time with the PC car. And we haven't been here a lot with other cars, to be honest. So it's just trying to figure out what works, what doesn't, and go from there. All right. Well, uh, obviously great, and uh, love to see you just laying down the laps. And we look forward to seeing you out in the uh, second session. Of course, qualifying later. Great. Thanks a lot, Greg. Seven minutes to go, and you're listening to IMSA Radio live from Lime Rock Park. That was Greg Kramer. I'm John Hindhoff. Jeremy Shaw is the third member of our team this weekend. Pretty much action stations all the way through today, Friday, and tomorrow, Saturday, keeping us busy with the Tudor United Sports Car Championship. Oops. As off has gone Mirko Schultes. Uh, in the number eight car that's coming out of the left-handed corner after Big Bend. He's gone straight on in a very odd-looking accident that a few years ago I seem to remember a Lamborghini going off there and ending up in the trees and up to its axles in mud. And they... It wasn't a Lamborghini at all. It was a Maserati. It was when the MC12 mm. came to play. Uh, sorry, wrong brand. And senile brain... And Mirko, just in that car, got a bit of a wiggle on, then got the back got continental bit, tyres on the grass. The steering, as Richard Petty would say on that one. Yes, got, got a bit, a bit crossed up. Didn't he? Just gone on the. On the There's a short stab of throttle there between the the left hand and the right of the S's, and the car got a bit side crossed up, and he tried to correct it and kind of overcorrected, and then got on the grass. And after that, you're uh, you, you're hoping. Yes, you're just waiting and wondering how hard the bump is going to be. Uh, I think he's continued because I can't see the car over there and it is just behind it's us. Just so coming I can into the lane now, yes, my is. neck. I think he might have got away with just slightly grazing the left hand side of that car and not doing any more damage. And that's where the crew are going to have a quick look. And it will be the left rear that gets the attention from the team. Continental tyre. Engineer taking some temps through the handily placed hole in the fenders in the wheel arches now that all of these prototypes have to bleed air out from underneath. And I think Merkel will be counting his lucky stars there. Wasn't very well at the Canadian round a couple of weeks ago. In fact, he was so poorly that the team started to look for a, a driver to replace him in the opening stint of the race. Ultimately, he decided to give it a go and did a pretty decent job actually when the car was beset with other problems sitting in fifth position at the moment that number eight car with five and a half minutes to go at IMSA Radio yeah. if you want to get in touch with us and I was just about to say how busy we are this weekend um, it is pretty much every single session from now on we'll, we'll be covering it is indeed um, so we will have done with our bonus coverage from Continental Tyres this morning. We will have done every session of both of the championships here. No support races here this weekend. It is just Continental and Tudor, and we'll be across all of the action today, Friday, and race day tomorrow is Saturday for both of these races. And effectively, it's set you radio or your computer and then uh, just leave it because we're there for the rest of the day. Quick update from our Continental Tire Pitlane reporter, Greg, on that number eight car, Greg. 
Yeah, I just talked to Peter Barron, and he said there is a little bit of damage. They don't know exactly how deep it is, so their session is done. They're going to take the car back as quick as they can so they can get all hands on deck, get underneath it, and assess what it is. He said it doesn't look severe, but you never want to take a chance. No, indeed, not around here. A lot of places where something goes wrong, it would be a very big incident indeed. Last uh, four minutes or thereabouts, Jeremy, and other than that... Uh, Nasty looking off for Michael Marcelo, though he did drive the car back to the pits. Let's remind ourselves himself. Um, pretty clean session for most of the drivers, and a lot of people yeah. who haven't been here have got some time behind the wheel. Yeah, a lot of, sort of minor offs, uh, a couple of, uh, well, one, one bigger one, but uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, the average speed around here for the PC cars is going to be over 110 miles an hour average around here that's as quick as they do all season anywhere isn't yeah, it pretty much yeah not far off um you know it's not far off the speeds we sort of speeds we get at watkins glen or uh, or even uh, you know canadian time Swap park or atlanta as well so rhoda murringer in here in the lms days yeah. used to be within you know tenths of miles an hour between each other ironically being the longest circuit and the shortest circuit that we visited in those days. And it's Rhoda Murray next for IMSA, uh, of course. But this, uh, Greg said something there actually while he was talking during that last interview, which is very true. Easy to underestimate this circuit. Yeah. Mile and a half, how hard can it be? Actually, yeah. quite hard. Yeah. Very hard very indeed. Very hard. And, uh, but it is, as we've heard everybody say, you know, they love coming here, they love driving this racetrack um, because. Uh, because of that, because it is a challenge, because the corn, each of the corns here has its own little characteristics and they're all a little bit different, it's distinct uh, and it is, uh, you know, a, uh, it's, not, it's not like any other track in this country. It's, if, you, if you're from Europe, it would be fairly similar, or from England, it sort of has a similar characteristics, maybe a combination of Alton Park oh. and Maori Park, perhaps, yeah, yeah. Um, but, um, but it, which again, are both, you know, really challenging racetracks and this is absolutely one of those it's a, it's a track everybody enjoys to and it always provides good racing and uh, cool, how cool now with all the changes that Skip Barber's made here over the last few years now that the viewing is even better than it ever was here you can now see virtually all the way around the racetrack and if you're on that big embankment down towards the end on the left of the start finish straight you can see cars coming all the way out of the diving turn all the way down the front straight, all the way around Big Ben, through the S's, not out now, most of the way down No Name Straight. So you can see probably two thirds of the racetrack. It's really fun. Just uh, want to pay something off from one of our listeners earlier on who's tweeted us at IMSA Radio Joe. He's coming from the Philly area and he says his telemetry says he can do that three and a half hours without a stop. Splendid. He'll be, he'll be, go <laughs> be going straight through. Uh, hope you enjoy the rest of your weekend, uh, Joe, and thank you for committing some of your. Uh, free time to come and support the uh, IMSA Championships this weekend. Uh, your trip will uh, be worth it. Uh, you're not wasting your time coming up here uh, this weekend. And I think, as Jeremy was going to say when we last talked about this, if you're within half a day or a day's drive of Lakeville, Connecticut, go and have a look on some mapping programme, uh, get your sat-nav out, whatever you need to do, your GPS, and see if you can make it here. There are fewer... There are few better places in the world to watch motor racing. And at this time of the year, with the weather very temperate here for the weekend, it's not going to be too hot. Uh, there's very little chance of rain. It is a great trip. Some great driving roads to get here. It's a, it's a very worthwhile weekend away. Yeah, and a lot of really top-class drivers here as well. And with a relatively relaxed schedule tomorrow, just the two races and 
pretty, you know, ample time beforehand. You can have a good look around the grid at the cars and meet some of the drivers and competitors here. It's really got an opportunity on a you know, relatively low, low pressure setup. And, uh, there's, some, there's some really top class drivers here and uh, you'll, you, you won't regret, I think, a, a trip up here. Two hours of Continental tyres and then two hours 40 of Tudor, if uh, memory serves. Uh, so plenty of action tomorrow with a bit of a warm-up session for the Tudor cars as well uh, early on in the morning. It's certainly worth uh, a ride up here if you are within a decent uh, day's drive and will be done in the early evening. So even if you wanted to go back the same evening, you could probably, within uh, three or four hours' drive, you could be back home before midnight and sitting, uh, enjoying your normal Sunday. So there we go, the chequered flag is out. An hour and 30 minutes has flown by for the 17 cars that we've now seen. And Kuno Whitmer, by the way, has just improved yes. on that last time around in the 007, which had all of 15 minutes. Uh, and he's done 15 laps with that. Aston with, was plagued by clutch problems. Christina Nielsen telling Greg Kramer, our Continental Tire Pit Lane reporter earlier, fourth position for Kuno Whitmer, and a 54-1 puts him right there at the head of the cars who are on the 54 second mark, ahead of him, three cars that are in the 53s. Yeah, that's, uh, they've wasted no time, have they? Yeah, that car's always been fast. It sounds great, it looks great, and uh, good to see that car around the track after the problems earlier on, either the clutch or something in the transmission, clutch or gearbox, but uh, the car running well now, and that bodes well for the weekend. Kuno Whitmer just joined this team for the uh, last round for these cars, they, they, the GTD cars were not at Canadian Tire Motorsport Park last time out, and Kuno Whitmer joined the team at Watkins Glen International for the sale in six hours. Glen had a really strong run there, had an off, I think, at the end, didn't he, in the wet, but uh, a strong run there, and he will drive this car with Christina Nielsen for the balance of the season. My thanks to Continental Tire Pit Lane reporter Greg Kramer and to Jeremy Shaw. It's the 54 prototype challenge. Uh, car for core autosports four times they have won the championship they lead the championship at the moment by 10 points after their victory at canadian time autosport park they have got the best time in this session of 48 here stuck that one away uh, and remember that for qualifying later on this afternoon in gtd it's the 73 and the 33 the two vipers at the top of the field field on a 53.8 and a 53.9 and just before we sign off a chance to hear from the man who did that 48.8 uh, second lap here's Colin Brown with Greg Kramer down in the pit lane yeah when you get two tenths under 49 seconds around this track with the chicane I think it's worth talking about Colin Brown great lap obviously in that session first one out you guys coming off your first win of the season great momentum for this team at a track where you've historically done pretty well too uh, it's all coming together no pressure obviously that John grew up here no you know we try to put that out of our minds right but uh, yeah great great session for us at Colorado Sport I mean you know nothing out of the ordinary we, we just keep doing our thing trying to keep getting our car faster and faster and you know John did a great job it's going to be very important the pace that the silver drivers have in those opening stints um, because this could be a race that goes green for a long time it's going to be very interesting with the strategy and how we make those decisions so um, you know very important session for us but good solid session got that under our belt and um, you know it's going to be tight I mean when you have lap times under 50 seconds it's going to be very tight uh, you know between the whole field so got to scratch for everything we can always do thanks man great lap we look forward to seeing what unfolds in qualifying you know john i don't know that everybody knows this but he drove that 
full stint double almost that he did at Canadian Tire Motorsport Park with failing power steering. That was the story of the weekend with a number of cars having power steering issues as the steady stream of minis, minis. are coming in to support the... Uh, the Continental Mini team that uh, will be out a little bit later on. Well, there we are then. Excellent stuff from uh, Colin Brown to get down to that 48.8 second. One more practice session for the Tudor United Sports Car Championship, and then we'll go qualifying. That's all going to happen today, and then two races tomorrow. Uh, again, thank you to Greg and to Jeremy. I'm John Hindoff, and the rest of the Tudor United Sports Car Championship action from Lime Rock Park is live here on IMSA Radio. This programme is a production of IMSA and Radio Show Limited. For more, visit RadioLeMond.com.